Hey, welcome to the Tech Connect Podcast. I'm John Martin. And I'm Dean Reverman. All right, Dean, uh, if I say the words CRM to you, yes. what goes through your mind? What's an acronym? Uh, good stuff. I have good feelings about it. You do? I do, because they can be very powerful. You haven't powerful been in sales tool. in a while, have you? <laughs> <laughs> they can be very powerful tools if used correctly. But So I'm an optimistic kind of yeah. guy, right? I'm a glass yeah. half full. This is why we work well together. This is exactly you why we optimism, work together. Yes. I'm the you healthy skeptic here. <laughs> it's terrible. Garbage in, garbage Well, because I was going to ask yeah. you if you've ever had a great experience with one, and I guess you find them okay. I, like, you know. In my sales it's, roles, it's a struggle. In it the is past, a struggle. I've I've always found them to be a little bit on the challenging side of things. And to your Fair. point, you're right. It depends on how you use them. It can right. be a great tool. That's right. Uh, so we're gonna we're gonna talk a little bit more of that. We're gonna talk about that as an at one aspect of the okay. sales process is the ah, CRM. Yes, yes. It can be yes. a very useful tool for management. We're gonna talk about in general though this idea of modernizing sales Ooh, management. Ooh, I think process, we need to talk about the sales this. process. Yes. What has changed, have changed where we are now? Things and the CRM changed. is part of that conversation. Yeah. Yeah, so yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, we have Terry Miller with us today from Vicata. Yeah. He's going to talk to us a little bit about uh, the, the sales profession, the story, oh, history. He's got a really it. good story to tell well, here. Yeah, exactly. What the like, company's doing. Yeah. What's, you know, what's been going on in the background, mm-hmm. where we are now with, with sales? Because I don't know if you noticed, but things have changed over the bit. last few years that well. have affected sales <laughs> and the way we approach it. A little it. bit, yeah. Uh, we're going to talk, obviously, about some of that, what the biggest changes have been. We're going to get into the CRMs mm. and you know where things go wrong, where okay. things could be going right, how you could improve those. Fair enough. And then he'll tell us a little bit about Vicata and what they're doing to help out folks out there too. To yeah, good improve stuff. Improve their sales process and management. Sales so. management modernization. Yes, it's yes. there. Yeah, you and I enjoy talking about this topic. Yeah. One, even though we're not really in sales no, anymore, we, but we love to talk about it and riff on it. it. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's Pro- good. Probably we like to talk about it because we're not doing it. That's anymore, right. So. <laughs> Uh, all that plus our usual value to the VAR. What's tech connected with us? It's time to plug in and get connected. Welcome to the Tech Connect Podcast. It's time to get connected. As I mentioned today, our guest is Terry Miller. He is the president of Vicata Group, Inc. Now, you might have recognized Terry. He actually was on the show way back way in back. season one, if yes, you call it that, right. the early yeah, yeah. days. The early days. Don't, I, I, I'm not sure you want to go back and watch that podcast. Maybe watch it for Terry, but I'm sure we sounded like bumbling oh, idiots because we terrible. were still getting our yeah. footing Some of those time. early yeah. ones are really funny to yeah, go back and watch. It, uh, yeah. yeah, it very much is. I want to say it was like in the early, like, you know, first 10 to 20 episodes <laughs> that you were out there talking to us. So, uh, but we appreciate you coming back and, you know, give us, fill us in on, on that background. You know, Dean kind of alluded to it. You've, you've got a long history that is threaded through lots of parts of sales. Give us a little insight on that and what's led you to your current role yeah first of all thanks for having me guys really appreciate it uh but yeah i've got over 30 years of sales experience and probably close to half of that um managing sales teams both on the direct sales side and the channel side so i've done kind of uh, the integrator var thing Uh, i've done the software startup i've done an established uh, software company and, and prior to that i actually worked in the automotive industry and uh, worked on the channel side, on the distribution side, uh, managing a regional and, and district sales teams. So I've uh, been around for a while and, and you know, I, I was sitting here, I went on vacation over the holidays trying to figure out, you know, where to next? How do I put all that experience to uh, to good use? And uh, came up with this idea for Vicata and we'll talk a little bit more about it, uh, I think, later in the podcast, but uh, excited to be here. Awesome. He's tapped into one of the trends that is happening yes. in modern sales management. Yes, very yes. much so. And obviously, you know, it's 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 perfect when it's the somebody that's got the history. Yeah. Been around, has seen a few things, done a few things, knows what works, what yep. doesn't. That that's yep. that's the kind of person I want advising me well, on how and to somebody who knows channel, right? So yeah, exactly. and, which is a little bit of a different animal. It's yeah. it, it is. It's it not is. quite like selling. No, whatever, it's so. it's very much not. No, yeah. I came to this channel going, I don't understand what how the hell's going on here. Yeah. <laughs> it took me a while to figure it out. Uh, well, okay, then let's get into it. Let's talk about the sales profession as a whole. There's obviously a very long and storied history, you know, mm-hmm. I mean, I don't know, you go back far enough and it was all just door-to-door sales, yes. trying to 
sell you vacuum cleaners and knives. And, yes, yeah, yes, exactly. And, yes. All that kind of, but you know, let's be honest, for as long as human beings have existed in any yep. form of trade or bartering has existed, there's uh -huh. been people selling in one way or another, trying to trying to, you know, hustle their goods to you in some <laughs> way or another, whether whether for ill or for for not. Uh, yep. uh, so, you know, like any, you know, business, you know, and, and, and the the changes that have come I'm sure you've seen a lot of change over the over time with this, and again from your history and your time in the business. So, but I think right now we're kind of in this period, which kind of is alluding to why you are thinking about this new business model and this idea of helping folks change their sales process. Because I think some businesses are starting to see some stagnation when it comes to their sales and their process and the way they do things. It's kind of been the same. Like mm. we've been doing it this way for a long time. This yep. is just this is how sales works. This is how we do it. Right. But it, but it ain't working. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So where are you seeing that? Where are you? seeing a need for change among salespeople? Well, it really starts with kind of the lost art of prospecting, right? I've been around for a long time. Being a sales guy, when I started being a sales guy, meant you're you're hitting the phones hard, you're knocking on doors, you're you're doing all your own prospecting. And you were like it was you were ecstatic when you got a lead from the business to come in and, and kind of follow up on that. Like those were were like gold. And, and over time and as kind of the internet's come on and as, as, you know, trade shows over the last few years have, you know, pretty, pretty much gone away now they're coming back, but, um, you know, prospecting has kind of gone by the wayside, right? Sales reps sit there and they wait for the business to supply them leads that they're good at following up on. But the art of prospecting has become something that has changed dramatically with the advent of social media, the internet. And, uh, I really think that people kind of forgot how to use the phone through, through all of that. Right. Like it's still the number one tool for you to reach customers as much as we want to use LinkedIn, as much as we want to use email as well, as much as we want to automate a lot of things, the phone is still a number one tool. And, you know, I think a lot of young guys coming into the business, coming into sales, they're kind of afraid to, to pick up the phone and, and cold call customers or, or even warm call customers. I think the days of, of cold calling are long gone, but, but, you know, if you're, if you've got a customer that you know has use for your product, it's really not a cold call if you approach it properly. Yeah. The stagnation is interesting. I mean, I think the role <clears throat> has changed obviously, yeah. and we'll get more into that uh, here in, in a little bit. And, and Terry, I'm with you brother, because when I started in sales, I was handed the yellow pages. Here you go. <laughs> you know, go, go out. And I was selling copiers and it's like, okay, I, here's my territory. Here's the yellow pages. I'm literally gonna, and that, oh, man. those were good times. Not were they? Yeah. No, <laughs> I was hoping so, you're being facetious so there's there. There's been yeah. some changes, but, but to, to your point and, and, and the point <clears> of the question here, the stagnation, that has happened is maybe it's a little bit that people that I think a lot of companies are trying to reimagine what the sales process looks like, right? Right, right. That it's not the same. The prospecting, and Terry's hitting on a really good point on the front side, you know, prospecting has definitely changed. Mm -hmm. We'll get into mm -hmm. that. But also other aspects of the sales have changed as well. And I'm not talking the sales and the clothes, even though there's, you know, we've talked about that before, but uh, what I would call post sales is also changed, you know, right, like right. the customer service where a lot of times sales reps were, you know, uh, expected to be that customer service rep that even after the sale, you're still taking that call right. uh, and you're going to, you know, you're handling that where that's really changed a lot. Yeah, uh, and, yeah, and people can become a little bit more specialized in selling, right? Right. Uh, and really, you know, kind of honing in on that and doing what's necessary to get the sale, which for better or worse, look, companies need sales in order to continue to prosper. Right. Uh, whether, whether you consider it ugly or dirty or whatever, it's got to get done. Yeah. Stuff yeah. has to get sold. Yeah, so, I agree. Yeah. Yeah, I think there's, I mean, there's also, there's more competition than ever. Oh, I mean, yeah, you know, there's, right. there's, there's yeah, yeah, so yeah. much competition out in the market, you know, mm -hmm. I mean, there, you know, whatever you sell, I promise you, there are probably dozens of other companies that are doing and selling the exact same, same yeah. thing yeah. and going after the same customers you are. Mm -hmm. uh, and, and, you know, customers, I think too, customers are more informed than ever too. That's mm -hmm. the other, the flip side of, you know, the whole internet and access to all this information is not only has it changed how we try to communicate or think we should be communicating, mm -hmm. but it also means that when you contact a customer about something, especially if it's something that they know that they need and use and, you know, whether they are asking for it or looking for it or not at the time, they're probably more well-informed than before. Whereas, again, you know, you knock on someone's door and introduce them to a brand new product they've never heard of and seen before mm -hmm. way back in the day. Mm -hmm. You know, you, you could be pretty novel with that. But now, you know, you call someone and, you know, try to act like what you're selling is something that's whiz-bang brand new that they've never possibly heard of. 
more likely than not, they're going to be like, yeah, I, I know what that is. Mm -hmm. Like, I've, I've heard of that. Yeah, right. Either someone yeah. else has pitched it to me before, I've already yeah. done my research on it myself. Or they Googled it before you walked yeah, in there. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, you yeah. got to impress me a little mm -hmm. bit more than that. And mm -hmm. I think another thing, too, is that just the patience for traditional sales is probably at an all-time low. <laughs> I mean, and again, I can attest to that because That's a good point. I'm, I, I will admit I'm the one who's a little bit on the opposite side of things. Like, I'm the guy who hates picking up the phone, So, which is, again, a reason why I'm not in sales right. anymore. Because I never <laughs> like to be the person to call up somebody and try to try to I, even though I learned how to get good at it, it just was never my thing. Yeah, right. But I think also from as a as a consumer and as a potential customer, mm -hmm. like the the way a lot of people approach sales and the their inability to be very consultative or to ask the right questions or to approach it from the right angle has made a lot of us very weary and tired of salespeople. Mm -hmm. And I think there's this kind of antagonistic attitude about sales, which then gets bounced back to the salesperson themselves. Where they kind of, I don't know, maybe I, I think a lot of salespeople go into calls expecting that's the reason why they don't like doing cold calls or even the warm stuff because mm -hmm. they think in their back of their mind, they're like, I know I'm probably calling someone that's going to hate me just for calling them. <laughs> and if that's your attitude, then that kind of comes across in the way you approach your sales. Yeah, too, but I think know? to Terry's point, you know, a lot of the a lot of that cold <clears throat> calling I think has gone away. I don't it know. Is, yes. but, you know, the, the prospecting. Should, yeah. If you're not prospecting through social and stuff like that or other means. Uh, but the sales process has still changed a little bit, right? Right. And, right. and that, that was part of the question. You know, what is there a need for change among salespeople? I don't know, Terry. I mean, don't you feel like the sales process itself is maybe modified a little bit and, and changed uh, over in you know, the last decade or so? Well, the one thing that hasn't changed is it's a numbers game. Right. Well, that's true. Yeah. It's a numbers game. If you don't talk to enough people, there's no way you're going to make your numbers. That's the bottom line. Now, how we do that today has changed dramatically, right? That old cold call, you know, picking up the phone going, hey, uh, you know, I work for this company. Do you have a need for this? It doesn't really work anymore. And it's really important, I think, for sales leaders out there, you know, reskilling your legacy workforce, the guys, the guys like me that are still out there doing this for a long time and teaching them the sales enablement, the modern sales enablement tools that are out there, helping them use and leverage those to, to get those numbers, to get enough connections to drive the, the, the results that you're looking for. Um, that's really one thing. And, and, and really the difference too is, is how do you compete? How as a small VAR, as a small you know, um, distributor or software company, how do you compete with the big boys that are using Salesforce that have all this automation, you, Dean, you mentioned specialization. Like, hey, I'm only doing the outbound sales. Once the sales closed, not my problem anymore. Like, you know, sales guys traditionally, hey, I close that customer, especially in a smaller environment where you've got only a few reps. They're gonna wanna, they're gonna wanna do that, but it doesn't help them make their numbers, right? And 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 you know, if you're paying a rep big dollars, you want him talking to customers. You wanna you want to bring him bringing in new customers. You don't want him talking to your existing business. That's right. Yeah, that's exactly definitely. right. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, you know, you mentioned, obviously, COVID changed, has changed a lot mm -hmm. of stuff in the last mm -hmm. couple of years. I mean, we went, you know, a good couple of years there where you couldn't get out to, to meet people. That's right. I mean, your only choice was phone calls. Zoom. Or Zoom yep. or, you know, emails, whatever. You're like yep. every, everything had to happen from a distance. Yeah. So if you're if you're a ground and pound type salesperson, your entire world changed at that time. Mm -hmm. And even now where we still, you know, in, in a lot of places have this hybridization, it's still it's still not the same as it was before, obviously. And you mentioned earlier so prospecting has obviously changed quite a bit. But what else have, have you seen this change in the last few years because of the pandemic and the new model for work uh, and for the better and for the worse? Yeah, I mean I, everybody thought two or three years ago that that working from home full time was impossible. You couldn't run a business doing that. Now everybody believes it's possible. <laughs> Just go look at all the uh, the empty office buildings in the downtown core major cities in Canada and the U.S. It's crazy. But but the pendulum is going to have to swing back at some point, right? There's going to be a hybrid model that people will figure out. And for sales guys, I think that's even more critical. You will differentiate yourself in today's market in 2023 by going face-to-face -face and visiting customers. I, I truly and firmly believe that there will be a competitive advantage to putting, you know, guys in cars and planes and hotel rooms and, and getting in front of your customers to close, especially those bigger deals, because it will differentiate you and it will help you build that relationship, build that confidence that you are that that trusted um, source that they're looking for. So I really think that, you know, that pendulum is going to come back to a place where um, you're going to work from home and you can do a lot of things from home. 
one of the interesting things that I did just to kind of tie this this concept in with prospecting um, with one of my teams in the past is, you know, I, I kind of was driving at how much effort everybody on the team was putting into prospecting. And I said, listen, you know, everybody's kind of whining about it. Nobody kind of does it the same way. I said, we're going to stop. We're going to do prospecting blitzes. So we blocked out two hours every week where the entire team, everybody working from home, got on teams. We got on a team call for about five minutes. Everybody kind of talked through what their game plan was for the day, whether they're going to reach out on LinkedIn or, or emails or pick up the phone and, and, and call. You know, we worked on the lists ahead of time. And and we kind of, you know, the misery loves company type of approach that we did was, was let's all get on teams. And, and we shared successes and failures and funny stories as as people got hung up on sometimes, but, um, but it really drove and it's something that this company is still doing a couple of years later and has had a tremendous amount of success. They've literally tripled their new customer acquisition number just because people are actively participating. It's not tedious anymore. It's become routine. It's not scary because they're, they're doing it on a regular basis. So it's really kind of you know, getting creative on how you're going to adapt to the to the new reality, to that hybrid model, and and finding ways to make it fun and interesting, but still focus on delivering results. Yeah, we've seen a lot of that, right? A lot of the creativity that was necessary during the height of the pandemic still is carrying on. I agree with Terry, though. I think that, you know, sales at the end of the road, it's going to be the interpersonal connections. Uh, sales, you know, people like to buy from people. Yeah, uh, that's yeah. just a, uh, I think that's a truism that still lives today. Um, you know, what's changed a little bit more, I guess, you know, people are more into their computers. And so they're they're getting more information before they even engage the sales yep. process. Yep. We've talked about, you know, oh, yeah. the group. Well, was, I can't remember how far I said, like something 60 odd percent or whatever yep. through the sales process before they ever even reach out to a provider. For exactly. Help. Yeah. Before they're even picking up the phone and <clears throat> turning into a prospect yep. for you. So so you need to change that. I mean, to me, that's a complete change because the old world I came from and Terry and I are relatively the same age i mean i would walk in just expecting that i got it i got this whole education that i got to walk right, through right? right here's the new technology right here's the new whiz bang stuff here's why it's important for you well they already know that walking yeah. in so now it's more of a consultative yeah. type of a thing right yeah consulting oh how are we going to make this yours you know more of a specialized type of thing so you know that's that's changed a lot so yeah. I, I just think the part of the process there has changed dramatically yeah. you know and i will agree again as some even though i'm not a person who's you know in sales anymore, mm -hmm. you know, <laughs> is enjoys that particular brand of work. But I, I, I do agree that I think a differentiator is going to be the folks that really do show up. Yeah. And I think especially in in this channel, in the VAR channel in particular, you know, I think there's a I think there's plenty of industries you could work in where showing up isn't essential, but wouldn't be a bad idea. Mm -hmm. I think mm -hmm. in our particular channel, it's a little bit more essential because we've talked about this countless times about the idea of being able to walk into someone's works because, you know, it's usually B2B sales. You're usually walking into a business. It's a it's an actual business you're trying to sell something to that has a business need and a problem. And you're not going to be able to really speak very well to that or understand it if you're not setting foot in that business mm -hmm. and seeing what they're dealing with. Because mm -hmm. sometimes that can completely change your approach. It can completely change the questions you ask. It can change the type of solution you offer when you get to see firsthand what's actually happening. Because again, these folks might already be somewhere in the process and they think they know what they need and want. And maybe they've called you and said, I'm looking for a, you know, a WMS, for instance. I need a WMS for my warehouse. Mm. It needs to do X, Y, Z. And you show up, walk in and realize, do you really need X, Y, Z? Because it looks like you also need ABC <laughs> over here before you even remotely right, want to start right. thinking about X, yeah. Y, Z. Yeah, 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 yeah. And, you know, and that's the kind of thing I think that like if you're not in there seeing it happen, sure, you might get on a call and quote them an X, Y, Z and sell them something, but it may not be what actually benefits their business. Yeah. And they may then later think, well, this guy really didn't help me because my business isn't any better. Yeah. You know, right. Sally gave me this recommendation and you know, it was, it was, it's nice and all, but you know, it's not, you know, but Jeannie, she came in and like actually toured the place and found me the right solution that yeah, meant something to specialized. me. Specialized. So, yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. Let's say, let's go down this path real quick <clears throat> on the, cause I think you're right, Terry, about the hybrid sales and the, and the need, I guess another thing in my mind that's changed from a sales rep perspective is the need to be very flexible on how you present and, and who you're presenting to, because we definitely have generational differences. Oh yeah. Like if you're selling to somebody who's whatever, 45 and old, 
older, that to me is a different sales, different prospect than somebody who maybe is a decision maker in their 30s. Mm-hmm. Uh, or, mm-hmm. or if you're trying to reach out to them and get, you know, get them into the fold. Yeah, the engagement part even you know, different it, Which is why I think social selling is, is really kind of the component of that hybrid sales today that is so very, very important. You have to be able to understand how to use LinkedIn and other tools right. in order to prospect, become a thought leader, become a trusted advisor just through that medium, yeah. right? Yeah. Which is not going to connect to the 60-year-old, you know, who might actually be making the decision, but right. you got to get in the influence of the other people there. So so really navigating that and being able to sell cross-generationally, what do you think there, Terry? Uh, is, you know, are you seeing some challenges or some differences there? Yeah, there, there's a ton of difference. I mean, you talk to a guy who's been selling for 20 or 25 years, um, his approach is going to be very, very, very different than a guy who's fresh out of school with his diploma in hand and going, hey, tell me what to do. Right. And, you know, how how tech savvy they are will definitely affect how they prospect, who they prospect to, how much prospecting they get done. Like there's a direct correlation, direct impact to the two. So as a sales leader, being able to understand that you've got both those guys on your team and how do you get everybody to hit their numbers, right? Because that's really your role as a sales leader is if if the company makes their numbers and everybody on the team makes their numbers, we win as a team. And, and you know, you have to take those two different and, and there's probably five or six other persona <laughs> uh, on the team as well that you have to kind of deal with. And it goes back to, to, to being well-organized, right? It goes back and, and we're going to talk about CRM. You mentioned it in your, in your intro there, John. Um, it, it really goes back to knowing and understanding what they're working on, right? How are you going to manage your sales team effectively if you don't know what they're working on and how they're doing it, right? So that the, the coaching aspect of, you know, the guys that need more help with the tech side, the, the sales enablement tools, um, we'll work with them on that. The newer guys where they need to learn how to sell consultatively, right? Take that approach that the old guy knows how to do that. He knows every single question to ask the customer to lead him where he needs to lead him to get the, to, to close the sale. Whereas the young guy, you got to teach him to ask questions, what questions to ask and the coaching aspect of, of how you build and, and develop your team with the different people plays a big role in, in, in effective sales leadership. Yeah, definitely. Well, all right, since you, you've started us down the CRM path here, let's let's talk a little bit more about that because as you mentioned earlier, mm-hmm. they can and they should be the backbone of a of a, an effective and strong sales, sales organization. Yep, yep, I mean, yep. that, that should be one of your most reliable and useful tools mm-hmm. to find prospects, to reach out to prospects, <clears throat> yep. you know, all the things you need to do. But we know that's not always the case. Again, I think any of us, anybody who's been in sales, probably at some point has experienced a CRM that was less than less ideal. Less than ideal, <laughs> yes. exactly. So, so talk to us more about that, then, Terry. You know, how is the poor management of these CRMs? How's that affecting these sales processes? And where does the responsibility lie for improving it? You know, is is it is it with the sales reps? Because I'm sure you might talk to some sales managers that say, "Well, my people aren't doing enough. They're not mm-hmm. putting the right info That's in." That's right. No. But you might talk to those salespeople, and they might be saying, "I'm not really sure what I'm supposed to be putting in here either." So, you know, where where does it lie to to fix this, and 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 where are these errors happening? Yeah, listen, you you hit it on you hit the nail on the head there. Um, you know, and and the CRM. First of all, let's get the one thing out of the way. That's the the first. Um, pushback I get from reps. Well, the CRM is a tool to micromanage what I do. Stop micromanaging. And it really is not the case. You know, your CRM is really about giving the team the resources. And and I said it earlier, if I know what you're working on, I know where you're going to need help and what help you're going to need to make sure that you close all of your sales. There's really two major issues with the the CRM deployments that I see consistently when I talk to, to, to sales leaders. Number one is adoption and number two is discipline, mm-hmm. right? And both of those issues are related to how the CRM is configured. I have a list um, that, that I put together as I was putting my project together of about 40 different CRMs that are available on the market. And that is just a fraction of, of, of what's out there. Oh, sure. And they all do essentially the same thing. They track leads, they convert leads into opportunities, they convert opportunities into sales, and they push the, the information. And, you know, what your, what your ERP is, what ERP you're using, that integration is going to drive a lot of the decisions on what CRM you want to you use. But if I go back to adoption and discipline, so adoption is about the reps not using the system properly. And I'll give you a quick example. There's a company that I worked with, 
And they didn't mandate everyone to use a system because the guy said, I don't like the system. I don't want to use it. I don't know how to use it. It's too complicated. It takes too much time. I've heard all the excuses, all of them. And part of the issue there is that they don't see the way that they sell in the CRM. If I can't recognize the, the, the tasks that I do and how I approach my customer, if I don't see that in my CRM, there's a problem. It's going to be hard for me to, to have the discipline. But if every step that I take normally to approach a customer and get a customer down, you know, down the, the, the path to, to closing, and, and I see that in my CRM, it's going to be much easier for me to know what step it's at, when to, to progress the opportunity. And, and, and you know, for me, that's really a big key to adoption is, is having a process that's simple, yet is related to how I sell, right? How I approach and how I work customers. And the channel sale is very different than a direct sale. And on the flip side, if I'm doing customer retention, if I'm selling an existing customer, that approach is very different than new customer acquisition. So seeing all those things in your CRM will greatly help you kind of with the adoption side of it. On the flip side, discipline is 100% related to how you manage the team and what your expectations are of the team. There can be no half measures. You can't let guys not use the um, the CRM. And, and, you know, all you do when you don't have the discipline is you pollute your data. And the minute you pollute the data in your CRM, your management tool goes out the window. I'll give you an example. I started working with a, helping out a company here and they, you know, super proud, you know, to tell me that they had $44 million in their pipeline. And once we kind of dug into the pipeline, there was only about $6 million in that pipeline that was actually getting worked on. Mm-hmm. Right. So how do you, how do you sift through all of that as a, as a manager and, and, and figure out what you should be, how you should be helping the team. So that discipline is driven through, you know, making sure that as a manager and as a leader, you talk about things on a consistent basis. You're always in front of your team and you're working with your team and make them part of the solution, right? This is, this is their tool. So they should be helping you build the sales process, define it in the CRM, make sure that there's clear steps to transitioning an opportunity through its progression, its life cycle. Adoption and discipline. I love it, Terry. I mean, those, mm-hmm. that, that's exactly where you want to be because when you think about it, Modern businesses today need to be able to take that data and then analyze the data. And you can't analyze the data if you don't have adoption on your sales team and no discipline about putting the data in. How can you function? You can't even get the business intelligence right, or right. the business intelligence that you're getting is business poop. I mean, it's not right. It's not intelligence. It's crap, right? It's because it's not being effectively utilized. And there's a, a statistic out there. of companies that use CRMs are not effectively even touching the analytics that come out of the CRM. So you're not even, you know, if you're not doing what Terry just mentioned on the front side, I can't imagine being in sales management and not doing adaptation and discipline when it comes to the CRM because it's it's so critical, yeah, right? You need yeah. to be able to get that so that you can now start manipulating the data, making your sales force even smarter, making their prospecting even smarter, mm-hmm. uh, gleaning the information, uh, the business intelligence as it relates to. I mean, he tapped on just one area, which is pipeline, which is critical to a mm-hmm. business, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, if you, my God, that's an inflated pipeline. If you go to to bed at night thinking thinking you got forty four million right. in the pipeline and it's actually only six million that's getting worked on oh my god you know i'd be yeah. having heart palpitations yeah. right because that's like oh, yeah. we're not even in the same ballpark right <laughs> well and I, I can speak to that like you know i mm. i i worked in an industry once that was very cyclical with its sales cycle where mm. most of the sales were happening in like late summer and fall and again in the spring and usually during summer during like the end of spring and into summer there's this whole period where a big goal that we always had was to basically build our pipeline for the fall, the upcoming you know sales year, if you will. Yep. And it was all about like, hey, like go out and find where these opportunities are, and and it was something you could go out and easily search and find out where an opportunity might exist. Mm. And you were supposed to create an opportunity mm-hmm. for that and put it mm-hmm. in there and put what your particular product was in there, and then work those later. And that was all well and good, but it did also kind of create this one. It created a kind of a busy work sense of urgency for the folks to like, you got to fill this up and get as much of this stuff done. done. You got to map out your territory ahead of time to to start doing this. But also on the backside of it, and and I struggled with this as a manager, you know, at the time, because kind of the company was sort of mandating this, but I also knew like, look, 
you do this, and a lot of what we're putting in here are just not even real opportunities. Mm-hmm. Sure, somebody's using a competitor product, and yeah, you can they're verify phant- that. They're phantom, though. Right, but you're, yeah. you're, they're not that person that's going to move in any way. They're not going to be interested in making any changes. Mm-hmm. It's just not going to happen. Mm-hmm. So in those sense, I always just looked at those as like, mm-hmm. yeah, like yeah. to Terry's point, the $44 million that turns into actually $6 million. Right, I right. would rather you go out and start having conversations and building your pipeline from that than just, you know, taking some dart throws and saying, well, I know that's somebody that I could sell my product to, have whether they want it, have any interest in it, or are even going to listen to me, I have no idea. Yeah. But they might, so I'm going to put that down as a potential opportunity. Terry, <clears throat> you got something else there? Well, I, no, I was just going to say, like, I, I think, you know, the, the whole building of the pipeline thing, like, you know, and it, it's it's that garbage in, garbage mm-hmm, out, obviously. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and w- you're talking about adoption from the point of view of getting people on board with using it. I think also, like, if when you're choosing your CRM, Mm. deciding what you want to put in place or if you're making a change, it's all about picking the right one with what's right for your business because to Terry's point, there's plenty of them out there. Mm-hmm. And then once you do that, then you got a training process. Mm-hmm. You got to teach your salespeople how to use it. Well, you got to get the adoption, right? Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And I, I went through this when my last company before I came to Blue Star was in the process of trying to change CRMs. And they pulled me into like the the focus group basically mm, yeah. to start talking about now. How to implement I will it. give credit. I think we were working with Salesforce at the time. They actually came in and sat with us and had all these ongoing, regular, every mm. few week meetings with mm-hmm. us to talk about what we wanted, what we needed. And credit to them for they showed up early to be part of that process. What you know, it wasn't the thing where again we were talking about it for months before we brought yeah. them in. Yeah, yeah. They they came in early on. But we also had a, a little too many stakeholders involved. Mm. We're like different people in different aspects of the company, like somebody from marketing, somebody from finance, yeah, somebody right. from accounting. Yeah. And everybody had their own input on what should be in the <laughs> CRM. But meanwhile, the people who are going to be using it on a consistent basis, yeah. which was folks like me and account development and right. our salespeople, I felt like we were just like, you know, two eighths of the overall, a quarter of the overall group. That we're weighing in, but eighty percent of the usage, exactly. Mm-hmm. And, I, and yeah. I kind of felt that was a little lopsided. Yeah, I'm like, well. I'm worried what you guys are going to pick here is going to be to try to appease all these other folks that are barely going to need to use this mm-hmm. in the same context the rest mm-hmm. of us do. So, mm-hmm. Terry, I'll let you jump in. I think you got some more comments here. Yeah, yeah, I've got so 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 part of the problem is that people go out and they they say I want a new CRM and they go they start shopping around. They haven't taken the time. There's two critical things they have to do before they start talking to these companies. Number one, they've got to understand their customer journey. They have to have a sales process that's documented and that they understand and that's clear because that's the outcome, right? And then the second thing that most people don't think about is what's the output that you're looking for, right? In a perfect world, what do you need to know about your business? What data could you use to make really good business decisions on a day-to-day basis? Um, basis. And and once you have and understand those two things, then you can start configuring your, your CRM properly. And, and that really is the key. And most people do it upside down. They choose a CRM and then they, when they get asked questions by a good integrator like Salesforce, right? The, the you know, they're really kind of the top of the food chain. They know the questions to ask you to build the, the right process. But even though you know, you're, you're kind of working backwards. You should have your processes and everything in place first before you start the selection process. And, and really, if you already have a CRM and you're not happy with it, it's not too late. I've done this a couple of times already. Um, you know, rip the guts out of your CRM, your existing CRM. Don't go spend a whole bunch of money. Just change the way it's configured. Because for the most, for the most part, it, it does 90% of what you need it to do. Just use it more effectively because you have it configured properly and then you'll get the outcomes that you're looking for, which is, you know, increased revenue. Let's riff on these two stats that I pulled out and I think it's it's applicable here. Uh, one of the statistics is even with the CRM system in place, we see, and this is McKinsey talking, companies where 75% of the leads still aren't followed up on, right? <laughs> so there's like, to your point, I mean, you might think that the CRM is the issue, but maybe you're not properly right, using right, your CRM. Right. But fact number well, two. Well, especially if you, if again, if you are to that point, like just dumping a bunch of stuff in the pipeline to have a big pipeline. Right. Do you have the capacity to get to all of those opportunities within well, your sales year? I mean, that's fair. Okay. So that leads into my second one. 40, McKenzie also said that 40% 
40% of tasks, because you, you brought that up, Terry, 40% of tasks within the traditional sales function can now be automated, is their is there, yeah, uh, point. And, and a CRM can automate those touches, right? right. I mean, and where you were yeah. and all the things that you just described in your past world where, oh, okay, we had to set it up and then now there's some, you know, I got to touch, we got to do these things. Well, mm-hmm. some of that can be mm-hmm. automated through point. the prospecting. Uh, so we're starting to see that, right? You starting to see some of that, Terry, uh, out there as well? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And that's not even starting. I mean, the last 10 years, there have been substantial uh, investment in the industry with with some of the, the, the sales enablement automation and the CRMs, most of the good CRMs out there can do a lot of that, right? You get an email in, you get a website, you know, somebody fills in the request a demo on the website, like those those reach outs can can be automated. And there are tools to 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 kind of put up a red flag if hey, my SLA is my expectation is that my team responds within 48 hours to anything coming in. I can have a red flag pop up after 48 hours. If the sales manager sees a red flag, if I see the same guy hasn't responded to a lead that's been assigned to him two or three times, he's going to come into the office and we're going to have a little talk about, uh, you know, <laughs> what the expectations are. Right. And that's really kind of the key. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, no, no. But to your point there, I mean, I think that's really good because I'm trying to put myself in the sales management role now. And, and I can see some antagonists towards, um, you know, CRMs that are automating parts of the task. So that's my sales team's job. But really, it's it's not. I mean, you should right. utilize these tools because what it'll do is help enable the overall sales process. And if they embrace it to where you're going, Terry, where it's maybe flagging that, you know, hey, this lead hasn't been followed up on or whatnot, if you use the tool properly, Properly. And again, you know, 40% of the tasks in a traditional sales function can be automated. That unlocks your team to do more of the right. selling, if you ask me. Right. Right. Really honing in. They aren't in selling. On, it doesn't matter anyway. Yeah. It doesn't matter yeah. because at the end of the road, that's what you want these people doing is closing business. Right. That's, that's what a salesperson should be doing. If they're involved in these 40% of tasks that are just leading up that can be automated, well, don't have them working on that, working right. on, the, on right. the sales. Anyway, you see where I'm going with yeah. that? Yeah. 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 I get it. So. I'm totally yeah. there for you. Yeah. And, and let's tie that back into sales management, right? Because I think that's kind of the, 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 the key to all this is a good sales manager is going to be able to use those tools and make sure that he's, he's helping all of the individuals, right? We talked about it earlier, the different individuals in the way that they need to, to be helped in order to move, to move opportunities along. And, and you, know, you're, you can't be hands-on with hundreds of opportunities. But if your CRM is built properly and you talk, you have the right conversations with your team, you can be, you can coach them to make sure that nothing falls between the cracks and that, that, you know, we're maximizing our ability to close as many of those deals as possible. There you yeah, go. Definitely. That's it. Mm-hmm. Well, all right then, Terry, tell us a little bit more about Vicata. And, and, you know, you, you mentioned you kind of had this epiphany. It sort of led you to, 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 you know, oh, coming up right. with these ideas and like, <laughs> and lending your expertise to helping people with their sales management and their processes. So give us a little bit more about that and about your approach to modernizing sales. It was really kind of sitting down and saying, you know, I was at a, I was at a point in my career where I had a choice to make and, and I kind of decided to, to say, I've got all this experience. I've worked on the channel side. I've worked on the direct side. I've worked, you know, hardware, software. I've worked for an implementation company. You know, I've done all this stuff in the tech space and, and I, I, you know, I've learned a lot of good and bad, you know, the good way and the hard way. Um, and it was like, how do I take all that knowledge and go help people that, you know, help smaller businesses, help startups that may not be able to afford, you know, somebody that's been around for 25 or 30 years, um, you know, to lead their teams. And, and really what I want to focus on is three things. I want to help bring number one, accountability. So accountability stems from a strong management process. And for me, the key is accountability is not about me holding you accountable as a sales rep. Accountability is building a process and a workflow and an interaction inside the team that makes you accountable to the team as a rep, right? That's what you want to do. If I give you all the tools so that you can be accountable to the team and you can be accountable to yourself, that's how you're going to win. It's not about oversight. It's not about me telling you what to do and how to do it, right? If, if, if I'm a sales manager and I have to go on all the sales calls with my sales team, there's a problem. We're not going to be able to scale a business like that. The second thing for me is performance and performance is about culture, right? 
we have to measure things. We have to have objectives. We have to have goals that we can meet. And we have to talk about those, right? And for me, to build a performance culture, you know, in a sales team is is absolutely critical. And I've loved over the years hiring kind of high-end athletes that, that come out of school or, or that, that have now gone into a, a sales role because they understand that mentality, that aspect of holding yourself accountable to the work that you need to do to be successful, right? There's a goal. I want to win a championship. I want to win whatever. As an athlete, you kind of get that drilled and ingrained in you. And, and I've always really liked hiring high-end athletes because of that. They have that, that kind of performance mentality uh, built in. And then the third thing for me is, is kind of improvement. The whole kata concept uh, stems from kind of that Lean Six Sigma Japanese mentality of continuous improvement. And it really starts with being able to measure results. And, and we talked about it earlier. For me, if my CRM's given me, you know, if I've got garbage data, the only way I can manage is at the end of the month, I can look backwards and say, hey, did we do a good job? I can't really look forward to what's going to happen and I can't help and impact what's moving forward. And, and for us to be able to improve and when we measure things and we talk about them on a weekly basis and we, we make sure that we're focusing on doing the right things to improve incrementally, right? And if I'm an underperformer and if I'm a, an A player, you don't manage those two people the same way. They don't need the same amount of help, the same amount of interactions, but they need the same tools, right? So, so that's really kind of those three key things I want to focus on, accountability, performance, and continuous improvement. And those are things that are process-driven. They're not, I'll, there's thousands of companies that are really, really good at sales training um, and, and that whole consultative sale or that value sales approach. Lots of companies that do a really good job. I, I don't want to focus on that. You know, all of you are, you know, all of the, the, companies out there, you're experts in your field, you're experts in your product, you know the application, you know the value, you know how to sell it. I really want to focus on helping, you know, startups and SMBs build a process that will allow them to scale their businesses. And that's what it's all about. And he's being a little modest here in the sense (laughs) that Vicata also, what's tapping into a trend Mm. that that is out there. And so I'm going to read this. Uh, This is also from that McKinsey report. Another trend that they're seeing is the outsourcing of sales function. You know, in order for a sales organization or an organization to grow, outsourcing parts or sometimes a lot of the sales value chain is definitely something that's happening today. What's new today is that automation, you know, all the stuff that we've been talking about here enables third-party vendors to kind of step in uh, to a company's entire end-to-end sales process or just a portion of it. So I know that, you know, Terry's got getting into areas where they can help organizations, whether it's the pre-sales, you know, function or the, you know, before that, or maybe even just the sales process. Because Terry, you and I both know, you know, small business owners who are, you know, they've got a great idea, they've launched the company, they've got the company up and running, but honestly, they're not the best sales management people, right? Right. And so, you know, you need to be able to step in or have a third party like Vicata step in and be able to take on that discipline for you. Right. Uh, this is this is a trend that we're seeing, you know, what has changed? Well, the outsourcing of certain portions of the sales process, mm-hmm. because not every company is great at doing that. And so if you can work with a company like Vicata to even or just implement and clean up your CRM or whatever part of the sales process is necessary, man, I totally get it. And I can see the value of that for a lot of our customers yeah. who, again, they're great people. They're, they're maybe good at three or four things, but there's eight things you got to be good at as far as making a sales process work. Right. No reason why you can't lean on somebody like this, like Terry yeah. and Vicata to help out with that. Right? Yeah, because yeah, I agree. They're going to bring the discipline. They're going to bring the tool sets. They're going to help you understand where where those holes are and fill them. Yeah. So yeah. You know. Well, and I like the fact that Terry talks about you know the tools and the process and equipping salespeople with everything they need to be successful. Right. Because I do feel like sometimes some sales organizations, the sales part of the organization, they they don't quite know how to do that. That's right. And instead, they fall back on 
like some sort of like KPI type thing or some kind of like measured rhetoric of exactly like (laughs) what you're supposed to do every day to be successful. And like, it's stuff like, you know, you must be on the phone for two hours. Like we're going to keep track of how much time you're on the phone. But is that really doing anything? Exactly. Like, because I I mean, I don't know about you, but when I was in situations like that, sometimes I'm like, let's see, who can I call that I know will babble the longest (laughs) that I can kill a half an hour? (laughs) That you can just check the box. Yeah, Yeah. exactly. Even though like, even though that was not obviously ideal and not what they wanted me to do, but it was like at the same time, it's like, look, there's other things that I can be doing that are going to be just fine for my sales process. Mm-hmm. And I remember this when I was in management. I had some reps that like they were fantastic at all the little things that needed to be done to to win a sale and take care of the back end and make sure that everything went smoothly from start to finish. Maybe they weren't the one out there pounding the phone all day long, or maybe their phone calls were short, sweet, and simple and to the point and got it done. Mm-hmm. And I like I was, even though we kind of always had that attitude of like, you know, you need to have a certain amount of time. I wasn't someone ever to crack the whip about that very much right. because yeah, 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 yeah. I knew plenty of people that could spend hours on the phone and accomplish nothing. Nothing. And right. I knew people that didn't spend a lot of time on the phone and were some of the best salespeople. Absolutely. They're so highly stuff effective. like that, like, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. you know, if, if you're if you're not willing to equip people with the tools they need to actually be good at selling, mm-hmm. and all you're doing is setting arbitrary standards mm-hmm. of mm-hmm. what makes some supposedly makes someone successful on a day-to-day basis, mm-hmm. you're missing the mark. You're missing the point you, of, of, you of are. equipping your team and being an effective sales Absolutely. Manager. And to or Terry's point, and Terry, I know you got a lot to say here. One, one real quick take, uh, <laughs> though, is knowing your organization organization, right? And what's what's best right. for you to do? Maybe pre-sales is not where you need to be or, or leading people up to the prospecting. Right. But So maybe you outsource that and then hand it off to your internal people yeah. who know your product yeah. really well, know how to customize it so that they can build the solution yep. that's going to be relevant in the end. Terry, you got some takes here? No, no, I was just going to jump on what John just said. Like setting setting what actions, what things you need to do to be successful, that's a critical part of, uh, you know, Here's my expectation for you. If I want to properly manage a team, I have to set expectations. Right. But I can't let a CRM or let some tool dictate success. Somebody has to be hands-on with why are you doing this? Why is it working? Why is it not working? The coaching aspect of of, of building out a team is a big part of it too. And 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 as you said, um, Dean, a lot of the a lot of the business owners are product people, mm-hmm. right? They're or service people. They're passionate about the customer. They're passionate about the product. They're passionate about the problem that they solve. They're not passionate about tracking how many calls a sales guy. The sales process. Right. Right. Say, they're not passionate about. Or did about he say that. the right thing? Yeah. Right. Right. Yeah. 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 That's well, it. Well, I mean, that's, it's, it. that's why also we do stuff about marketing all the time for mm-hmm. ours because we know that a lot of these folks are either very sales oriented or they're very tech oriented. Mm-hmm. And like, yeah, sure, like. When someone comes to them asking for a solution, they're going to be able to help you get the best possible solution. Absolutely. They're going to help you get it set up. They're going to help you get they'll trained. They'll get geeky in it. Yeah, they'll, they'll figure they, it out. They'll take care of tech yeah. support. All that stuff they're great at. But guess what? Maybe they just aren't very good at figuring Marketing. out how to send a good email or <laughs> advertise themselves properly. Or promoting themselves yeah, to the world. And, right. and that's why you, or running you their lean sales on someone else to help you out with that that's or it. find a way to automate that or something. So that's it. it. It's again, it's not it's not asking everybody to be able to do every single solitary thing mm-hmm. right off the bat, but figuring mm-hmm. out like what do we do well? Make sure we we continue to do that. Mm-hmm. What don't we do well? Let's figure out how we can either improve that, outsource that, automate that, or find something that will help us make that part of our business a little better. There you and go. Focus yeah. on the stuff that we're really good at. Yeah. Good stuff. And what do I do that doesn't add value to the results I'm trying to get to on a daily basis. Like, how do I get those things off of my plate? Yep. Yep. Really good point. All right. Well, hey, before we wrap up here with the value to the VAR, which uh, this is one of those, everything should be valuable to the VAR, but we'll <laughs> we'll try to wrap it up a little for you here. Uh, first, uh, it's a quick moment, as always. Thank you so much to the sponsors of Tech Connect Program, our Tech Connect Podcast. We yep. appreciate all of you for your support. Please, uh, if you're listening on the podcast of your choice, leave us a five-star rating or review. If you're on YouTube right now, hit the like button, subscribe to our channel, leave us a comment, send in your topic suggestions. We ask this every episode, mm-hmm. and every episode after it releases, I'm sometimes disappointed because no one's sending anything Maybe in. Maybe we should keep talking sales. Uh, yeah, just, you yeah, want us to keep talking yeah, sales it, process? Yeah, send us exactly. Yeah. If this is the kind of stuff you want to hear about, if you want to hear more about this, you want to hear more about other topics, there's something we haven't covered yet. Go to the show notes. There's always a link there, whether you're on YouTube or in your podcast or choice. 
All you have to do is drop us a quick line. Let us know what you want us to talk about on the show. And what do they get if they do that? A soft and wonderful soft Tech and Connect wonderful podcast t-shirt. <laughs> <t-shirt. laughs> That's right. We'll as, get you a t-shirt. coined by Jody Costa. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, uh, you know, please do that. We want to hear from you. We want to know what you like. Every time someone has sent in a suggestion that we've done we on the show, it in. Yep. it's been some of the best stuff we've done, and people yep. have been very appreciative of it. So please do that. Uh, and as always, if you want to keep in touch with us, you can always find us on Twitter at TechConnectPod. You can email us TechConnect at BlueStarInc.com. All right, let's start wrapping up here. Let's talk about the value to the VAR here. And I want to, you know, kind of condense this mm, down to mm-hmm. to directly talk to our VARs because we're talking at sales broadly. And again, I think our, you know, our VARs have a maybe a different type of sales structure than some other channels yeah, might have in, right. uh, in other situations. And we know yep. that. So if you were talking, if we're thinking about our VARs, whether they are themselves salespeople or a sales manager, what are some things that they, you know, that they should be thinking about if, or, or what's some signs maybe that their sales process might need a shakeup that either as a manager, mm. I need to figure out a way to change something for my folks, or as a salesperson, maybe I need to approach my sales manager and, and ask for some new tools or some, some new ideas. Yeah, listen, the, 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 the best advice I can give to sales managers and salespeople is don't drive the car looking through the rearview mirror, right? You need to, you need to focus on what's out front. You need to be proactive and not reactive. So I don't know how many times I've sat in as, as a, as a channel guy, I've sat in to do trainings on, on a lot of our sales meetings, their weekly sales meetings. And so many of them take time, spend a lot of the time looking in the rearview mirror. What did we do last week? What did we do last month? Did I make my numbers? And that's what you spend an hour talking about on your weekly sales meeting. You shouldn't be. You should be focusing on what comes next. What What am I going to close today, this week, this month? And what resources do I need from the company to ensure that I have the best chance of closing those? So that's really kind of my, my, my one little uh, value to the VAR tip is look at how you run your sales meetings on a weekly basis. And the things that you talk about, the topics that you talk about, first of all, there should be topics. Everybody should be talking. The sales manager should be listening and not and questioning and not presenting. Um, the, the, the sales reps should be presenting and they should be presenting what they're working on and what they need help on and really think short term in those meetings. Yeah, I like in part of your presentation, Terry, you talk about, you know, increasing direct selling time, right? Trying to get efficiencies to the processes so that you can let your salespeople sell. Because at the end of the road, that's what's going to keep the company healthy is bringing in that sales. sales. I mean, I would say most salespeople probably could stand to have some kind of change. I mean, yes. I, I, if you're if you're not willing to make changes and don't see an opportunity for change, yeah. you probably aren't Whether doing very good a, at your job a, anyway. Exactly. Whether it's <laughs> adopting social selling or something, yeah. there's always a way that you can improve exactly. your process. But but if you're looking for a place to start, I'm going to throw out three stats here that you had in your your Vicata presentation. Sixty-nine mm. percent of sales reps said they don't have enough pipeline to meet quota. <laughs> Only 49% of companies have a clear sales process. Only 28% of sales leaders believe their team can communicate value very well. If I said any of those things and you went, yeah, that's that's me, that's my organization, that's, that's an issue, that's my situation, then that is a clear indicator that something needs to change. Right. And so at that point, it's like, okay, start taking it one step at a time. Start thinking about, you know, list some things out. Put out, you know, do a little self-analysis, those SWOT analysis, they always call it or whatever. Like, yeah. start thinking about, you know, what's not working, you know, what is working, what's not working. Of the not working stuff, pick two or three of those that are the biggest ones that are impacting your day-to-day work are keeping you are you know putting down your ability to find or close opportunities slowing down your process pick one or two of those things and then start thinking about what do we need to change to improve that yeah it, you know it's not like there's there's no even though you, you know you can work with Terry and I'm sure Terry will will do some magic for you but we, we all know there's no magic overnight process to turn you from a mediocre sales organization to a great one <laughs> or a bad one to a mediocre one for that matter. Right, Honestly, yeah. it's going to take time. But so you got to pick the stuff that really matters and hone yeah. in on it yeah, in order yeah. to figure out where you got to go next. Yeah. And, and really it comes down to, to, to kind of taking a step back. I love Michelle Sirwa uses this all the time. It's time for you to stop working uh, on the business, to start working on the business instead of in the business. Yeah, and, that's and, it. And, and that's so true. Take a step back, look at what you're doing, you know, analyze, give me a call. I'll send you a list of things that add value to the sales process and things that don't that your sales reps do today. And and if you just start by, let's do more of the, the things on the, the value list and less of the things that don't add value, 
if we just start there, it's a simple thing that will bring small incremental improvements and, and consistently take a step back to look at how you're doing, what's working, what's not working. I, yeah. It's a yeah, great, it's a good uh, one. Great Definitely. Yep. There you go. Yep. All right. Hey, let's wrap things up as always with yes. our favorite segment of the week. What's tech connecting with you? Where we get to chat about something in the world of sex, sex, not sex. sex? Wow. Why are we talking sex? Science, no. tech. Science. Somehow I crave yeah, science yes, and tech. Yes, yes, yes. Maybe it is about sex. Who knows? Maybe there's some science. <laughs> well, we don't tech, know what Terry's going to bring yeah. up. Yeah. Exactly. Uh, <laughs> business <laughs> innovation. It's been a long day. It has been. A long uh, day. That, you know, something that got your attention has caught your eye that you want to chat about. So Terry, we'll let you start here. What's tech connecting with you? So I've got really two tools and there are two tools that I've used in the last probably two or three years through the pandemic, trying to shake up. We talked about earlier, trying to shake up and do things differently. Um, the first one is um, uh, an application called V3 Stent, which is essentially kind of an AI social selling tool that allows your reps to kind of automate a lot of those prospecting tax tasks, get to touch a lot of people. And, and it's directly integrated into your CRM. So it's really kind of a powerful tool to, to, we talked about that numbers game earlier, um, and, and it's really you're taking all of the non-value added time away from your rep data entry, right? If I'm gonna if I'm gonna do a hundred reach outs to LinkedIn and I have to manually enter those hundred leads into uh, my CRM, not not a whole lot of value add to to that because I'm probably gonna talk to two or three or four of them uh, and turn them into opportunities. So that that's the first one. Um, the second one is a tool called Gong.io. So Gong is essentially a plugin that plugs into your whatever your video networking um, tools are, Teams or you know Zoom or whatever, and it records calls. And it's really really amazing what it does because it actually takes all of the calls and then it. Um, uh, oh my goodness, I'm looking for my words. Transcribes. Uh, so it does. It transcribes. Uh, it does a lot. Thank yeah. you. Yeah. <laughs> no. So it. It transcribes your, your calls. And once it's been transcribed, it throws back a ton of data at you. So it gives you the ability to see who talked for how long. Are you talking too much or you're not talking enough? It'll, it gives you an indexable and a searchable database. So how many times did I talk about value in this two-hour sales call, right? And, it, and, and it'll take you right to the point in the video and, and really allow you to do um, some amazing coaching with, with your team to get them better at kind of selling value. So two tools I've used in the last couple of years that have really been uh, you know, powerful for. Terry gets a awesome. gold star for bringing up tech connecting that actually applies to what we were there, just talking there you about. Go. Yeah. And yet I mean, it's something new and novel and different. And yeah. Is, yeah. So kudos there, Terry. Well played, my friend. The Gong IO is, is cool. And I, I think, you know, I know companies are using that for training. Mm. Right. I mean, they'll record yep. these things and then they'll extrapolate out of it. They're putting it into their AI chatbots, you know, like right, questions right. that are brought up as a part of presentations and stuff like that. They're just dumping it right in yeah. uh, to their chatbots and making that even smarter. Brilliant. And the V3 guys, uh, it, there's there's your sales automation right there. We were just yeah, talking about yeah. it. Right. And and he's actually got a tool that, that you can do. Those guys are out of Canada. They're awesome. They've got they've got a really good tool there. Uh, with the v V3 stuff. Just think about the gong thing. Like, I think that would be like super handy. Like if you have any kind of like inbound sales or oh, inbound yeah. call yeah, center yeah, yeah, yeah. where you yeah. can just aggregate all that data and figure out like what are the most commonly asked yep. questions? What are the most commonly Bingo. asked for products? Bingo. Stuff that like, is there a way we can automate that? Is there something we need to be, yeah. you know, do we need to be highlighting something on our website Feedback to make people to easier sales to find team, it? Yeah. Put it in the chat bot. That's good stuff. Brilliant. Yeah. Good stuff. I like it. I slang. Kudos, man. Way to go. My you got something else there, Terry? No, I was just going to say what it also does is it tells you what's working. You're doing presentations, you're doing discovery calls, what's working, what's not working, what conversation pieces, what what conversation starters get you the best results. There you go. Nice. Like it. All right. Well, my tech connecting with me is way not as cool as that, <laughs> but I got two questions for you okay. here today. Okay. What is the most popular worldwide cuisine? This one's This one was tech connecting with the category of food. I feel like I may have seen something oh, about did you this, see something but I about don't because this one surprised me. I don't know. What's if your I favorite category of food, Terry? What do you like? Are you you I'm like going, I'm going Italian. Italian, okay. okay. That used to be number one. It's not um, anymore. I'm what pretty big you? fan of Chinese. Okay, so Korean food is the number okay, one that, cuisine. I, I think I did see some worldwide, that. That kind of which is a little, out a little bit. In a way. I don't know. I thought I feel like Korean? there's a lot more Korean places than there used to be. Like it's, dude, I don't know that I've ever had Korean. It's one food. of those things that's so probably like, more popular in other countries than here, maybe. But Marco, do you like Korean food? Oh yeah, see, he's got a big yeah, thumbs up. Yeah. Terry, you like? Uh, all right, he's 
Korean short rib is my favorite. Okay. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. I am clearly the outsider here. But just so you all know now, Italian used to be number one. It's now Korean. Okay. All right, okay. second question. What does an original iPhone from 2007 still in the box go for? How I, much can you I'm buy that I'm not going to say from? this because I did hear this one Oh, yesterday. you did? I just oh, saw this story Damn, Terry, what's so. your guess? How much does that thing I, go for? I saw it as well. 63 grand. Are you kidding me? It's insane, isn't it? Oh, come on. If I had known that, I would have bought like... 50 of them back then. I almost added that That's to better my, than Bitcoin. Yeah, I almost added that to my tech connecting <laughs> list to talk about at some point because I don't know about you, but I was that guy that for a long time and still occasionally do would save my iPhone boxes for uh, some dumb reason. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't yeah. know why. Like, there's no <laughs> no purpose to it. I can reach back there, John. I think I can See? pull four or five of them out. <laughs> and what's funny is I, I randomly came across a TikTok a few days ago. This this girl I follow does, she does like funny comedic stuff or whatever. And she actually had a gag about that and just right. like okay. tried to help a friend like, you know, declutter. And it was like, why do you have a, the box for every single Apple product you've ever purchased? Still? Because it might be worth something. Like, I don't yeah, know. You know? Oh, yeah. And then I saw this and I'm like, well, Dang. if I could convince somebody that it's still new, maybe I'd get yeah. some money out oh, of it shit. with the box. Holy yeah. Shit. yeah. So, bro, if you have one laying around that's still in the shrink wrap, you got 63 grand that sitting is, right there. That's anyway. Nuts. Who would have thought? Even was, not in the shrink wrap, even a used one, I think it probably worse. I think nice you're right. Probably. I think you're right. Yeah, yeah that's yeah, a yeah. good point. John, what's tech connecting with you? All right. So this is kind of timely because um, we, you know, but peek behind the scenes, we are wrapping up our third podcast of recording of the day today. Yes. Uh, and I've kind of mentioned, you know, sometimes my vocals get a little, yes, a little, a little, little grainy and mm -hmm. a little dry, yep, yep, you know, yep, after yep. this much podcasting. Well, there are other people who do deal with vocal issues a lot more than us, obviously. But Singers, there's a, a yeah. new, apparently a new wearable device for vocal fatigue that senses when your voice needs a break. Oh. So this is being pitched to like folks like singers, politicians, teachers, coaches. Politicians need a break. Uh, yeah, exactly. So it's a little, <laughs> it's a little tiny device that fits, sits like just below your neck, like at the top of your chest. It's it's about the size of a postage stamp. Um, it senses subtle vibrations associated with talking and singing. From there, the captured data is instantaneously streamed via Bluetooth to the user's smartphone or tablet so they can monitor their vocal activities in real time throughout the day and measure cumulative total vocal usage. I'll be darned. Uh, custom machine learning algorithms but distinguish the difference between speaking and singing, enabling singers to separately track each activity. And it can, you basically, like, you can set thresholds. You can have it warn you if you're, you know, in danger of kind of, you know, burning yourself out right, or right, you know, right. overdoing it or yes. something. One of those things you just, like, you know it's an issue, but you never thought there'd be a technology that could help out with that. There you and, go. And yeah. someone's come up with an idea for that. So, And how much does this device cost, pray tell? Um, I don't know if that part was in here at all. I didn't see. When you first started, I got to be honest with you, I had the imagery of the dog in Up, where it had the little <laughs> thing around him, yeah. and every time he barked, it I'm was like. I'm dog, yeah. Yes, I'm dog. <laughs> <laughs> I thought that's where you were going to go with that. Uh, no, not, not the so app on no, the fatigue. No, yeah, so this, this helps some folks out, and um, I'm sure there are, there are folks that get really bad. Oh, 100%. Things, you know? Yeah, for sure. So if you ever see me show up one day with a little, little thing I know stuck in my chest, now you know it. what it is. Got I'm going to tell you, like, look, Dean, we got to cut off this yeah, podcast we're done. short, man. Yeah. We're done for the day. I'm, <laughs> I'm burning out here. So. Or or somehow try to find a way to, you know, I don't know, get more money out of it maybe. I, I yeah. don't know, you know. My oh. voice is worth so much, I'm, I'm burning it out on you. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So. I don't know. That's what's tech connecting with us today. Terry Miller, thank you so much for joining us today. We appreciate having you back on the show. Thanks, Terry. You're welcome. And hey, uh, if you're interested in the Vicata method, um, I'll yep. put some links in the show notes. Don't hesitate to reach out to Terry also. We'll be happy to connect you to him if you want to talk to him a little bit more about Absolutely. improving you your should. sales process. Absolutely, so, yeah. So until next time, folks, it is time for us to unplug. But until then, um, you know, maybe um, work on your voice a little bit yeah, and yeah, yeah. try some Korean food. Try some, apparently. Try the short ribs, Dean. There you go. Got it. <laughs> and as always, folks, please stay connected. Technic Podcast is brought to you by Zero. Are you looking for the right priced rugged tablets that have it all right out of the box? I would be. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Right, well. right out of the box. Right, right out of right the box. Price? Absolutely. Well, Zebra's ET40 and ET45 are the enterprise tablets that give your customers everything they need. 
The perfect replacement to consumer-grade tablets. Boo! Down with consumer-grade. Uh, the ET40 and 45 are available in an easy-to-carry 8-inch or 10-inch model for easy viewing of information-rich apps. Yes. With the ET40 and 45, customers get thin, lightweight, consumer styling that is business-tough with integrated enterprise-class scanning. The fastest wireless connections, a multi-year life cycle, powerful new communications options, new solutions that add new capabilities allowing users to turn these tablets into a POS, a workstation, a two-way radio, and a PBX handset. Holy moly. That's pretty nifty. All that? Right? Yeah. yeah. Your your iPad ain't doing that for you. No, sir. I'm, I can tell you that. Uh, no offense to iPad. I like them, but it ain't doing this. Uh, nope. Plus, complimentary Zebra-only mobility DNA professional tools improve every aspect of the device lifecycle. Customers can take worker productivity to the next level by upgrading to the Mobility DNA Enterprise Toolkit and addition, with an additional value-add software tools. All right, to learn more about the ET40 and 45 tablets and snag some useful selling tools by checking out the link in the show notes. Tech Deck Podcast is also brought to you by ELO. Our restaurant owners, they need technology solutions that are connected, configurable, and streamlined, right? Absolutely. A, I'm going to throw a little plug-in for mm. Blue Star Nation in our Ooh. recent restaurant point-of-sale survey. Mm-hmm. They'll give you some real insights into what customers actually want. Oh, and hey, there might be some discussion on the podcast about that soon, too. So, mm-hmm. yeah, stay tuned. Yeah. Anyway. Well, that's why ELO is the preferred hardware provider for businesses, industry-leading software companies, and you. Yeah. I'm talking yeah. to you. Yeah, you. I know who you are. <laughs> I know what you're doing right now. You can hear us. I'm glad you're listening. Thanks. Yeah. We appreciate you. Uh, ELO's software agnostic solutions range from the front to back of house, helping hospitality customers increase efficiency and improve guest satisfaction. With a modular hardware platform, we love modular. We love it. Easily configure restaurant kiosks, digital menu boards, KDS stations, restaurant POS systems, tableside ordering, and line busting. That's, everything you need. That's a right lot of there. stuff you can hey, do. They got yeah. everything. They got uh, everything. Creating a connected restaurant has never been easier, from QSRs and fast casual to fine dining. Mobile POS systems, smart terminals, interactive digital menu boards, order pickup technology. Why would you equip a restaurant with anything else? Right. There's no need. No. There's not. Everything you need right there, ELO. Check out ELO's full line of solutions at the link in the show notes.